nursing industry is one of the fastest growing career forces in the world today. There are so many issues in the healthcare field these days relating to nurses that simply are not discussed in the media. Welcome to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, exploring the world of nursing with Leanne Meyer. Our program will help you with the most relevant information if you're in the nursing field or are planning to enter the industry. Now, here is your host, Leanne Meyer. Hi, she's right. This is Leanne Meyer, and you are tuned in to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, exploring the world of nursing. Today, our topic is consequences of communication. Uh, if you're, if it seems to you that I am on a roll with the idea of better communication, you would be right. Uh, I see effective communication as a bedrock of nursing success. People learn their communication skills, especially conflict communication skills at home initially. If you did not hear language at home that can pass muster in a professional environment, you could be severely hampered in this career choice. When I heard a program over a year ago on Minnesota Public Radio with John Wood from Better Angels uh, about talking with people on opposite sides of the political divide, I thought this could be a perfect helping, be perfect in helping healthcare providers understand the basic principles of conflict resolution. So my guest today is a retired flight nurse with a varied career in both civilian and military settings. And as we talked about what promotes patient safety, quality of care, job satisfaction, we kept coming back to the ways that we interact with each other. For better or worse, these are the consequences of communication. So I'm pleased to welcome my guest, David Ball. Well, thanks very much, Leanne. I I, I appreciate you inviting me to your show. I am really glad that you were able to to do this. Um, you have been involved. Uh, I, I brought up John Wood and the Better Angels because he was the one that connected me to you. And you have just recently connected with the Better Angels. Can you say a little bit about that, what you're doing and what the program is? Well, sure. I, I found myself, I, I don't spend a lot of time on Facebook, but um, like lots of people, uh, I find myself there. It's a way that I, uh, you know, interact with people. And, and what I found was I was increasingly taking memes and nasty things that people were saying about others uh, on the other side of the, the political divide. And I was just, you know, rebranding them and sending them out and, and saying all these ugly things. And I'm thinking, is that who I am? Does mm. that make my country a better place? And, mm-hmm. and then when I heard about Better Angels, which is trying to depolarize uh, America, trying to make it so that individuals can talk about issues of the day without demonizing each other, um, I thought, well, that's something that I'm interested in. So I, I've been involved with them probably for about maybe four or five months. Um, I'm, okay. I'm pretty new to it. Mm-hmm. Okay, so just very recently. Um, mm-hmm. I think we were going to talk a little bit uh, later on, but as long as we're kind of on it, could you just briefly describe what it is they're trying to do? It's it's mainly right now focused on the political divide, correct? But the principles that they're teaching can be applied everywhere. So just give give the audience a basic idea of what it is they're trying to do. Oh, sure. Well, it's a it's a grassroots organization that started just after the 2016 election. And um, what, what the people that, that founded it found was that people weren't talking to each other. And when they were, they were, um, there was just a, a lot of heat and not a lot of light. And mm-hmm. so it's a grassroots organization. It has over 5,000 paying members. Um, and to join, it's $10 online or something like that. Um, and I think their last email list was 25,000 people that were, were involved in this. And in the past... Um, I guess 18 months or so, they've run 150 workshops. Um, here in oh. Massachusetts, where I'm the coordinator, we ran 15 workshops last year, and we already have five more planned for this year. And mm-hmm. there are a couple different kinds of workshops. There's one called a red-blue workshop, and the goal there is to take seven conservatives and seven liberals and put them through uh, several different very controlled exercises where we examine stereotypes, where we come up with 
questions of understanding that we want to ask the other person. There's an exercise called the fishbowl where <clears throat> you're kind of like a fly on the wall and you're, you're watching the other side, the, you know, watching the Democrats or watching the Republicans sitting there talking about what's good about being a Republican and also what's bad about it. And, and people go away at the end of this red-blue workshop uh, with respect and understanding, a better appreciation of issues, and more compassion for each other. And so that's, that's one. The one that I did this Saturday was a skills workshop, uh, which teaches you about listening and speaking and how to get out of an argument and that sort of thing. We also have a new pro- product that's coming out on debates. So we're working mm-hmm. on a number of different things, and they're all related to interpersonal relationships. Okay. And it's the skills that I'm most interested in uh, in talking about today. And before we get into that, I would like you to address a little bit. You've had a really varied career with military and civilian nursing. Um, What are some of the special communication challenges that you found in military nursing? Well, you know, the military nursing can be a very extreme environment. So um, when I was deployed as a flight nurse, when we fly an AIRVAC mission, uh, it has two registered nurses and three EMT paramedics. So there are no doctors on board. Um, and you, you, you have to bring with you whatever it is that you're going to need, and you have to make decisions based on protocols that you've been given, standing orders, things like that. Um, and being, when, you're, when you're that forward deployed, um, <clears throat> the number of providers that an individual patient will see from the time of injury to the time of definitive care uh, generally runs to be about 17 different people. Wow. And, and, and they may not be of the same service. They may not be from the same country. They may not speak the same language. They may practice medicine differently. So the ability to uh, do a good handoff, to have good documentation, to be able to interact and work with uh, with people all the way along from the, the point of injury to their first definitive surgery to the time that they're, they're evacuated to someplace where they can get physical therapy. And um, it gets to be a real challenge. Mm-hmm. So talk to me about that. How does that, uh, you had mentioned a morphine drip story. Tell me about that. Oh, well, in, in, in my career, 26 years, um, we, we never had somebody die in flight. Um, and that's, that's not unique to me. In the AIRVAC system, um, if, if you get into the AIRVAC system, your chances of living are, are like 97%. It's, it's, wow. it's pretty remarkable. Um, but, but problems with communications can, can be life-threatening. We, we had a situation where we picked up a bunch of patients, and um, we had one of the patients was on a morphine drip, which was very common because a lot of the injuries that we get are, are massive orthopedic injuries. So these people are in a lot of a pain, and then they, we put them in a vibrating aircraft and you know, temperature mm-hmm. variations and barometric, barometric pressure, pressure changes. So he was hurting, and uh, he said, well, you know, I don't feel like this drip is, is, uh, is working for me. So, you know, the first things you do is you, you look to see if something's disconnected or, uh, and you try to, you know, assess their pain and kind of see where they're at. And, and what, what we did, uh, he said, no, it's not helping, it's not helping, was we went ahead and we turned the drip up. And just before we left, we were just about to take off, and, and he, he goes unconscious and he stops breathing. Oh. And what had happened was um, the the outgoing nurses, the ones that put them on the plane, um, had just turned up the drip, but they hadn't documented it. So, so he hadn't Ugh. quite gotten the effect of the medication, and mm. we came in behind, and we looked at the documentation, and it looked like, you know, we should be turning it up, so we turned it up. And, and wow. it's just those kinds of things. It's those handoffs um, mm-hmm. that, that you have either at shift change or because mm-hmm. you're being floated to another unit or whatever. Um, yeah, it's those handoffs. That's that's where there's danger, and and in this particular case, well, so so he got some Narcan and we turned down the drip, and he turned out, yeah. you know, he's okay. But but that's a consequence of communication. Uh, you so can how have about good consequences and bad ones? Yeah. 
How about on the civilian side? Did you see, uh, I would imagine, not quite so dramatic as, as uh, in the front line of military, but uh, how, how, is, how does communication differ there? Well, you know, for me, although in, on the military side, you, you have those, um, those stressors because you have those 17 different providers in different languages, mm-hmm. But on the on the upside, the you, you have this chain of command, and even though um, let's say I'm, I'm speaking with a physician on the phone, um, that physician might be of a lower rank, and even if they are of a higher rank, um, there's a there's a real uh, collegiality collegiality and and respect between the two fields. What I found on the civilian side is sometimes in my career. Um, I'm dealing with with a, a very a very large um, difference in, in in terms of our our power between the, the doctor and the nurse. And I remember early in my career, where uh, I'm in a for-profit hospital, a Humana hospital in Florida, and the doctor comes in and he's wearing cowboy boots and he's stuffed his um, uh, his scrubs into the cowboy boots and he comes in with his black bag. And he's swinging it, and he kind of, from about three feet away, he throws it onto the table, and he says, who am I here to see today? Mm-hmm. And, and you, just, you just know that, that the, the power differential between this guy who brings in all the money to the hospital and the nurse who their salary is taking money out of the hospital, the hospital looks at those two people, even though they're both healthcare providers, they look at them very differently. And the mm-hmm. things that a doctor can get away with, uh, maybe more in the past than today. But but when there's a big power difference, the likelihood that you have a, a problem with communication is increased. Mm-hmm. And and so I rarely found in the military, um, even though that I might be dealing with someone who's several grades higher than me in rank, um, I I always found it to be a very professional, collegial, um, supportive relationship. In the civilian side, not always so much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, that that's a whole other topic I'm interested in, but um, <laughs> I think we'll keep going. So we decided to call this uh, consequences of communication. So when we were thinking about that, what were you thinking about what that meant? Well, you, you know, I, it was funny. I, I, I came home one night um, from working in the hospital, and uh, and I was kind of debriefing at the dinner table and, and my wife was asking, well, how did your day go? And, and uh, I, I said, well, we, we had a, a cardiac arrest. And, um, and she said, well, you know, how did it go? And I said, it really went well. Uh, I, 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 was, I was so pleased with it. And she mm-hmm. said, so the patient lived. And I said, no, he died. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, how could, you be, how could you be pleased with it if the patient didn't survive? And I, and I said, you know, there are times when we'll have a code where um, everybody's acting crazy, nobody mm-hmm. knows who's in charge, um, it, things go terribly badly, and the patient lives, and you feel really bad about what happened. Mm-hmm. You know? And there are other times where you've done the best you can possibly do, everybody worked together, everybody respected each other, and you gave the person the best chance they could possibly get, and they, and they died. And that's mm-hmm. what happened. And so, you know, when I think about communications, it, it has the potential for us to deliver wonderful patient care and great uh, career satisfaction. Uh, it also has the, the potential for us to feel very isolated, for it to be very dangerous for patients. And, you know, and, that, and that's what happened with that code. Um, mm-hmm. I felt really good about it, even though the person expired. Yeah. Do you feel like... Um what promotes good communication is the, um, the the connection of the individuals, whether they know each other or not. How uh, polite that polite isn't the word I want. Respectful, I guess. How respectful they are, that more determines how the communication is going to go than actually the words being said. Oh, I think so. And, and um, <clears throat> in the, the the military is a good example. I would often go into a room with somebody that I've never met, so I don't have a relationship with them. But because 
because we um, we start out with a uh, um, with collegial respect for each other, and we make an effort to listen, and we practice certain we, we communicate in a certain way. Um, the the likelihood that you're going to get a good outcome and that you're going to have good communication um, is high, even though you don't have a relationship. So I'm not sure it's it's the relationship, although certainly having a relationship makes it more likely that you respect each other and that you're able to communicate effectively. So I, it's not that I uh, oppose people working on relationships, but I'm not sure that that's the most important thing. I, I think looking to see if there's a power differential. If, if one side is scared to ask a question, they're not going to ask it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, one of, one of the things that you often find with a new nurse uh, who's working the night shift is she's saying, I don't know if I should call the doc on this. Mm-hmm. You know? And if you had a relationship with that doc, if, if you knew that he respected you and he wasn't going to give you a hard time when you called him, um, you'd be more likely to call. And the patient exactly. would be safer. So yeah. um, having that, that respect and being able to... to uh, there, there are certain ways in which we, we talk to each other make it more likely that we're going to have a good good outcome. Right. We just have about a minute before the break, but could you address um, what what are the problems that, uh, I guess, what are the things especially that we should be on guard for that uh, create poor communication? Well, <clears throat> I think for the nurse in the hospital, um, a, a couple of, of red flags um, or if you get floated to some place that you don't normally work, um, if you're uh, tired, you know, if you're working a second shift, they say that if someone who's awake for 24 hours is essentially drunk. Mm-hmm. So if, if you're up for a long time, if you're floated to a different place, if you've got a lot of stuff going on in your mind, if you're in a place where there's a big power differential, um, or you don't know where the supplies are, or you don't know how to do a procedure, it's something that's new to you, all of those things are, should be red flags. And, and when you see that, you should, um, there are a couple things that you can do. You can reach out to another nurse and say, hey, you know, I'm uncomfortable because I've never floated here before, or I'm tired, can you check my math, or things like mm-hmm. that. So when, mm-hmm. the first thing is to be looking for these red flags. And then once we see those, then we need to uh, get help and go slower and check ourselves. Yeah, I I definitely agree with that. Um, We are going to take a break here, and we will be back in just a few minutes. Uh, We're talking about the consequence of communication, and I'm talking with David Ball, who has recently been working with a group called Better Angels, who is trying to help people learn how to talk respectfully to each other, especially in difficult situations. We'll be right back. Listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Now there's a new destination for video content. VoiceAmerica.tv. Just like our radio channels and so much more. Voice America Variety, Health and Wellness, Business, Sports, Green Talk, Power Up Motorsports, and 7th Wave Network now have their own video channel components. Plus, check out exclusive programming, including movies, music, educational courses, science and history, current events, and short features. High-definition, premier-quality programs available 24-7. VoiceAmerica.tv. If you think you've seen online TV like this before, let us surprise you. Take us on the go. It's even easier now. The Voice America Talk Radio Network has a mobile app for iOS, Android, or Amazon Kindle. Visit the Apple App Store, Amazon, or Google Play to download the app powered by Aircast. It's free and no registration is necessary. In minutes, you could be enjoying your favorite Voice America Talk Radio host no matter where you are, in the car, out and about, while traveling, or anytime you can't be close to your computer. Catch up on the archives you've missed or discover new shows on the spot. Search Voice America at your favorite app store. 
If you like what you're hearing on Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, consider supporting the show. In the one year since the show started, we've increased our listening audience by nearly 7,900% and our goal to reach 50 countries and counting. Whether you are looking to reach a regional, national, or worldwide audience, you'll have a competitive advantage by advertising on Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse. It's the perfect platform. Contact Senior Executive Producer Tacey Trump today at 480-294-6421. That's 480-294-6421. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. Plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at blog.voiceamerica.com. That's blog.voiceamerica.com. The Voice America Press Blog. All access, all the time. A fresh look at today's health. Voice America Health & Wellness. listening to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, exploring the world of nursing with host Leanne Meyer. To reach the program today, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to leannevoiceamerica at gmail.com. Now, back to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse. Hi, this is Leanne Meyer, and we are on Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, exploring the world of nursing. Um, We're talking today about the consequences of communication, and I'm speaking, my guest is David Ball, who's been working with an organization called Better Angels, and um, we have just recently been talking about what are some of the communication snafus that happen uh, when you're in either a crisis situation or, you know, what are some of the things that can cause communication problems? And we talked about um, being in an unfamiliar situation. You floated to another floor. Um, you've perhaps um, uh, working a second shift or, you know, you're tired or um, there are other things going on in your life that are playing into where your mind is at and all those kinds of things. I always think in terms of for myself personally, I knew I was in trouble if I was tired, hungry, or in pain personally. Um, that, those were the times that I would have the most difficulty communicating and I had to really watch my communication at that time. Uh, let's talk about, you, you talked a little bit with me about uh, emergency room and some of the differentiations of, of um, hierarchy, uh, which has been uh, part of healthcare, it just seems like, for a very, very, very long time. How did those play in and how could they be addressed? So if you're the person on the bottom end of the totem pole, how could you address problems you're seeing that are uh, somewhere on those levels above you? Well, you know, in the same way that when a, a nurse and, and a doctor um, feel like they respect each other and, and respect what, what the other person has to say, um, we, we have a whole continuum of providers. Uh, you, you have CNAs, you have the nursing assistants and EMTs and paramedics and LPNs and um, all of these people um, have different skill sets. They, they have different uh, tools in their toolbox. Um, and and if, if we're able to respect them, um, there's a lot that we can get out of them. There's a lot of things that they see. We're not, we're not with the patient all the time. The, the patient may say something to somebody else. And if we have a, a good relationship and good communication skills with the other providers, we're going to do a lot better for our patients. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we know that. Um, the hard part is how to establish it, especially in a difficult situation. I was thinking about uh, you described what I call the cowboy doctor that walks in <laughs> and kind of, you know, has a here I am riding in to save the day and uh, I don't know what the rest of you guys have been doing, but um, it, it wasn't right and I'm going to make it all better. Uh, so, 
you know, especially if you don't know this individual and they're they're coming in to say your ER, uh, maybe you're dealing with a patient that you've been dealing with for quite a long time. You're you're worried about them. You've called, and this is the person that showed up. So, um, how can you kind of establish a better level of communication fairly quickly with somebody on that line? Well, I, I think one thing you can do. Um, let's say that there's a, a new, you're working in the emergency room and a, and a new EMT that you've never met comes in. Um, if you're able to show that person that you respect their expertise or their experience or their judgment uh, or their gut feel, um, all of a sudden they feel like they can communicate with you, that they can trust you. Mm-hmm. Um, and and so if, if, if I met a new person coming in and and I ask them, you know, what do you think's going on? Um, how long have you been doing this? And um, and you see, well, this person's been doing this for 12 years, and they see this all the time, and it looks like this, or they know this person. Uh, all of a sudden, you've um, you've established a level of, of trust and communication, um, even though I just met the person just now, and and that can be very valuable for the patient. Mm-hmm. I think in terms of the cowboys that I have had to deal with. Um, initially, I guess, uh, meeting them, greeting them, welcoming them. And I found that in giving report, you can, you can, um, you can communicate a lot about what you already know, maybe make that person more comfortable with your uh, area of expertise by giving clear, concise, uh, complete report about what you've been doing to, uh, in the, you know, before this person has arrived. And then um, just saying, you know, you're, you're new to me and kind of like what you're saying is asking them, uh, what are you bringing to this? Are you familiar with this type of patient? Um, you know, that kind of thing. And a lot of times it's, that's, you know, as we're saying it, it sounds like it would take a long time, but it's amazing how fast that can all happen. Um, and then he or she has gotten a message from you that you are competent in what you're doing and that they can hopefully trust you. They can ask questions that you're going to have the answers to um, and vice versa, that you're going to respect them if, if they're respectful to you. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. So what happens when well, it doesn't work? Oh, go ahead. <laughs> well, <clears throat> and the other thing is when, when you said, you know, are you familiar with this? Um, to me, that, that strikes me as a very non-threatening thing. I, I, uh-huh. I can either say, oh, yeah, I'm very familiar with it, or, or I can open up and I can say, you know what, I haven't done this in a long time, or yeah. I'm not familiar with this brand of pump. Would you mind going over it with me? And it's the kind of thing where, because you and I don't have a relationship, um, I might not feel comfortable saying it, but because you were open and said, hey, are you... You know, are you okay with this, or do you want me to look at it with you? Um, that gave me permission to to say, you know what, I'm I'm not really sure, or I'd be more comfortable if we did that together. Exactly, I really I really like that because um, many times we think the doctors are feeling more comfortable, and especially if they come across as pretty arrogant, aggressive, uh, then they really are. Sometimes that's their their. Uh, coping mechanism of dealing with not yep. feeling very confident. But I definitely feel like if you're giving them an out and saying, um, you know, let me know your level of, of confidence here because I can then help you in a way that the patient won't know um, that I'm, I'm leading you or I'm giving you some hints and opportunities that, you know, go right over the top of the patient's head but will be helpful for that doctor to not put his foot in it or... Uh, get into a difficult situation that they uh, weren't really uh, ready to provide or to be able to deal with. Um, I I guess just that whole thing of, um, I'm not sure if you have any thoughts uh, uh, of the different levels of, I think that it's getting better in, especially in hospital care and and, uh, in clinic care and things like that, where I hear the conversations between doctors and nurses are much more level, um, much Mm -hmm. more equal. Um, I'm curious if you think there's a difference in how especially uh, male doctors interact with male nurses as opposed to female nurses. Do you think there's a difference? I, I think there there's an assumption of uh, of greater competence with male nurses. 
Um, I, I, you know, it's, <clears throat> it's funny. I've, I've been a nurse for 30 years, and, um, and I, I don't think of myself as, as sexist, but I guess we, we all have, um, uh, you know, either preferences or, or things underneath the surface that, that we don't mm-hmm. really recognize. I remember going up on a floor once, and uh, early in my career, and I saw a, a, a young woman in scrubs sitting there, and I went up and I said, excuse me, nurse. And she said, no, I'm a mm-hmm. doctor. You know, and mm-hmm. it, it was just, it, it's a, it, it's a uh, assumption that, that's sitting underneath the surface. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, hope, I hope things are getting better. I, I think maybe they are, but they, it probably depends on a couple different things. I mean, when you're in a tertiary facility, a teaching hospital, that may be very different from uh, a rural um, for-profit, uh, you know, you got two doctors that are running the place and, and everybody else is, uh, is a contract nurse. I mean, maybe if you have people that float through that, that you don't really have a stable uh, nursing organization. Um, I think it probably depends on a lot of things, but I'm, I, I'm hopeful that things are, are improving. I think the thing that I like to encourage nurses is their best option in being taken seriously is to know what they're doing. So, you know, if you're somebody who uh, maybe hasn't really um, a good uh, grasp of where your patient is at, you'd like to be able to look through their chart and, you know, get a baseline if you didn't get it in report of kind of where the, what this patient is about, what's been done, those kinds of things, so that if something happens, if something crashes, you already have certain things at your fingertips before you go to call the doctor. I know a lot of times doctors have complained to me, too, when nurses um, haven't even looked up the basics. They're calling the doctor about, you know, wanting an antibiotic, but they, they don't know what the patient's temperature, blood pressure, some of the real basic things are, and they have to say, oh, wait a minute, I will go and check. Well, no, that that really takes you down several pegs in the eyes of a doctor. You better have that. You better be prepared when you call that doctor because you're you're using up precious time they have. They might need to be using that somewhere else. So I think that's one of the main things. And I think maybe male nurses have a tendency to come across more confidently than sometimes especially new female nurses. Um, yep. Yeah, go ahead. Well, and that doesn't necessarily mean that we are more confident. It just means that they right. come across. <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, maybe that's to our detriment. You know, maybe when, when somebody needs to be able to say to us, um, you know, do you feel comfortable with this? I, I might say that I am when I'm really not. You know, mm-hmm. so I'm, I'm not sure that that's necessarily an advantage. Um, mm-hmm. You know, one of the things that I, I, I wanted to mention is that physicians have a, a great deal of academic training. Um, but they don't necessarily know the things that nurses know or mm-hmm. can do the skills that nurses do. So um, I think sometimes we have an assumption that because someone is more educated than we are, that means that they know the things that we know and can do the things we do. So mm-hmm. um, in, in addition to um, being prepared, when you call the doc, you know he's going to ask, you know, if you think there's an infectious process going on, you know he's going to ask, well, what's their temperature? You know, or have you given the person Tylenol or something? But, um, but also in, in situations that are related to things that you do, like let's say IV access, that may not be something that they're comfortable with. Mm-hmm. And, and we, should, we should remember that, that they have their lane where they're experts and we have our lanes where we're experts, and um, and and to just be um, and show some kindness. Mm-hmm, <laughs> I, right. I've seen situations. I've seen situations where um, a nurse has just assumed that because that person's a doctor, that that they can go and start a heart IV, and and the doc looks at her and says, um, you know. I'm not very good at starting any IV, and I'm really not the right person to do that. Right. So, so right. You, we want we want to remember that these are people who have trained to 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 swim in their lane, and their lane is mm-hmm. diagnosis and coming up with an overall medical plan, and mm-hmm. and our lane is uh, is holistic care and doing tasks and following orders and things like that. So uh, well, we and be being aware. 
being aware of the patient. I think there are so many things that the nurse, because they're closer to the bedside for longer periods of time, know things about the family, know things about the patient, maybe know things about their history from previous admissions, all kinds of things that give them an edge that the doctor doesn't know and may need to have that information given to them by the nurses. Um, This is all very interesting, but I do want to get us back into our uh, conversation about some of the skills to help us be the best communicators in in, uh, conflict situations that we can. So I think I want to take a little bit of a break here so we'll have more time in the third segment uh, to talk about that. So this is Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, Exploring the World of Nursing. I'm Leanne Meyer. I'm with David Ball, and we're talking about um, the consequences of communication. We'll be right back. Now there's a new destination for video content, voiceamerica.tv, just like our radio channels and so much more. Voice America Variety, Health and Wellness, Business, Sports, Green Talk, Power Up Motorsports, and 7th Wave Network now have their own video channel components. Plus, check out exclusive programming, including movies, music, educational courses, science and history, current events, and short features. High-definition, premier-quality programs available 24-7, voiceamerica.tv. If you think you've seen online TV like this before, let us surprise you take us on the go it's even easier now the voice america talk radio network has a mobile app for ios android or amazon kindle visit the apple app store amazon or google play to download the app powered by aircast it's free and no registration is necessary in minutes you could be enjoying your favorite voice america talk radio host no matter where you are in the car out and about while traveling or anytime you can't be close to your computer catch up on the archives you've missed or discover new shows on the spot search voice america at your favorite app store if you like what you're hearing on once a nurse always a nurse consider supporting the show in the one year since the show started we've increased our listening audience by nearly 7900 percent and our goal to reach 50 countries and counting whether you are looking to reach a regional national or worldwide audience you'll have a competitive advantage by advertising on once a nurse always a nurse it's the perfect platform Contact senior executive producer Tacey Trump today at 480-294-6421. That's 480-294-6421. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. Plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at blog.voiceamerica.com. That's blog.voiceamerica.com. The Voice America Press Blog. All access, all the time. A fresh look at today's health. Voice America Health & Wellness. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to leannevoiceamerica at gmail.com. Now, back to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse. Welcome back. This is Leanne Meyer, and I'm here today. We're talking about consequences of communication, and I'm here with David Ball. Um, one of the things I'm most interested in, uh, in what he has to bring to the to the program, is his experience with dealing uh, on these different um, uh, what do you call them? A, a program or um, 
Workshops. A workshop. Uh, and so you had talked about how important the skills are. And uh, I know that you just did a workshop on this uh, this weekend. So could you talk a little bit about the four skills that you're addressing and then how how that goes as far as teaching it in your in your workshop? And then what are some of the things that come up? Well, sure. Um, first of all, let me say that anybody who has an interest in learning more about Better Angels can go to better-angels.org and Great. go to the website. They can see more about this. <clears throat> and we'd love to have people come and join us. Uh, all of our workshops are free, and um, we're just trying to uh, depolarize the country. And, and part of that is, is being able to, to have an effective uh, conversation. And, and what people were finding at the Thanksgiving table was they didn't know how to listen. They didn't know how to speak. They didn't know when's a good time to have that conversation, and they didn't know how to get out of a bad conversation. So their, their choice was just no politics. We're not going to talk. Right. And we're going to need to talk. And, and so what we do in the skills workshop is we do four things. The first one is we're setting a constructive tone. And, and you can do that by saying, I'm curious. Can I ask you about... And when you do that, you're you're handing power to that other person and you're saying you can make the decision whether or not we're going to have this conversation or not and it's respectful and, um, you know, or you can say, you know, this is where I'm coming from. Um, how do you feel about this? Um, and, and, and the one thing that we don't want to do is we don't want to jump into a, a conversation when someone's in mid-rant. You know, if, if they're, <laughs> they're boiling yeah. mad and they're spewing at the mouth, you know, you're not going to have a good conversation then. So, but but if, if you can start with a, uh, a respectful tone and having a constructive place to start that conversation, um, then you can do some things. And, and so the second skill is, is listening. And, and what we do in the skills workshop is we help people to paraphrase. Um, we have somebody say something and then I'll see if I can word it differently, and I'll ask, you know, is, is that what you're telling me? Is that how you feel about guns? Is that how you feel about immigration or birth control? Um, and and once, once you can paraphrase, you know that you're actively listening to what that person's saying. Um, and then asking questions of understanding. Um, listen for underlying values and aspirations, and b- to be able to acknowledge that. You know, even if you're not going to agree with how we're going to fix immigration, Maybe we all agree that everybody has self-worth or that everybody deserves to be free of fear. Um, so when, when, we can, when we can see something that we agree on, we go ahead and we say, yeah, yeah, I mean, I, that makes sense to me. I, I agree with that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then so after we have a constructive tone and we have listening, then we want to focus on speaking. And somebody once said that if we wait until we agree on all the facts – we were, ne- we're never going to get there. Because right. We all listen to, you know, one person's listening to MSNBC, someone else is listening to Fox. Um, we can't agree on the facts. That's, that's not going to happen. But what you can do is you can, you can use I statements. You can say, you know what, I'm worried about climate change. And, and that much is true, right? I have a feeling. I have a concern. And you and I can talk about that. And so when we use I statements, when we say I'm concerned, I'm worried, I'm troubled, instead of saying saying something definitive about what's going to happen in the future, the person doesn't have to start out by being defensive. They can say, Mm -hmm. oh, you're concerned about gun violence. Okay. And and you can talk about it. And you can look for areas of of agreement. Uh, um, And before we disagree, what we want to do is we want to say, I hear you. Because if somebody doesn't feel like they've been heard, they're going to mm-hmm. keep saying that until you say, I hear you. So I'm going yeah, to go ahead I'm going to Wait, I, and then go into the last one and we can go back and talk about them individually. Then. Sure. Sure. And then, so after, after you say, uh, you know, I hear you. And then you, you, you talk about how you feel. The last skill that we, that we go over is handling difficult moments. Because for some people, if it's so, if they're so scared that it's going to blow up, they don't even want to start, we want to be able to give them ways of getting out of those discussions. So those are the four things, a constructive tone, 
being able to listen, being able to speak effectively, and handling difficult moments. Mm-hmm. And some of it, especially when you're talking about families, I think it's probably the most volatile situations because there's so much history that hasn't been resolved. And so... Um, in Minnesota, I have heard that 80% of the people in Minnesota use uh, avoid as their number one or main way of dealing with conflict and absolutely believe that that is the right way to do it. Just let's not talk about it. Let's not get into it. And then what ends up happening is you lose a lot, uh, again, the, those opportunities, those now very rare opportunities when we get together to be able to talk about some of these important things and maybe hear a perspective that we haven't had or didn't understand where that person might be coming from is lost and may never be regained again. So um, in that setting the constructive tone, uh, especially let's go back to the the healthcare nursing perspective. Um, When you feel like you need to have a discussion, say it's, Uh, between two peers, two nurses that have worked together maybe for a while, haven't been able to see eye to eye, uh, have difficulty um, showing respect to one another. Maybe there's been already some uh, hurts that have happened along the way that haven't been healed. Uh, What do you suggest for beginning to, to, for one or the other, beginning to say, let's see if we can work through this or how do we start that constructive tone? Well, I I remember working at the VA, and there was this old, crusty nurse that nobody liked and nobody got along with. And um, and, and with her, um, I went up to her and I said, um, you're the, I'm told that you're the person who has the, the, uh, the greatest amount of experience on this floor. And, uh, and you're... And you're also, you've been described as a, as a crusty nurse. And she smiled and, <laughs> and she said, yeah, I'm that. She says, I am, I am the most experienced person here and people say I'm gruff. You know, sometimes if you approach somebody with, with humor or, you, you, or mm-hmm. with humility. Or, or with um, honesty. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. You, you can say, you know, I don't know if, if you feel like, it's difficult working together, but I want you to know it's hard for me. Mm-hmm. And, and the other person may say, you know what? I really didn't think it was. It, it's not hard for me, and I didn't think it was hard for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, they may appreciate that, 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 that you said that. Mm-hmm. And then where do you go from there? How do you get to an ability to be able to talk with each other? Well, I think if, if, if you have that constructive tone, if you have, um, you're not in mid-rant, um, mm-hmm. then it's a question of, of listening and speaking. And when we listen, um, we have a bunch of, of preconceived ideas about the situation. And when somebody actually says something, instead of just waiting our turn to say what we're going to say, um, if we focus on paraphrasing, if mm-hmm. we say, okay, so what you're telling me is you think that I give you an inadequate report when I come on and that I just seem like I'm trying to get out of get out of the hospital. Mm-hmm. And the person says, no, that's not what I'm trying to tell you. I'm, I'm telling you, you give me an adequate report, but when I ask follow-up questions, you're kind of dismissive. So if you go back and forth and you, and you paraphrase, mm-hmm. and, and that person knows that you're trying to listen, you can get a lot of information out. And then you can focus on you doing your talking and getting your piece out. Right. Also, I have found that not trying to have the discussion when you've just had some kind of a fiery experience. It's like you need some time to cool down and then come back and say, you know, yesterday didn't work out quite as well as I had anticipated or hoped. Um, you know, could we talk about this so that we can prevent it from happening again? And many times, you know, especially if they're having trouble with you too, they may be relieved to be able to know that in a calm, uh, safe environment, not on the unit in front of everybody and patients, that you could perhaps talk through some of the things that are causing issues. Well, you, know, you make a good point. You, you, know, you want to praise people in, in public, and you want to scold them in private. And when you have problems, um, it's, it's harder for them if you're doing it in front of everybody. 
So, mm-hmm. so being able to find a quiet place and just say, hey, you know, yesterday was bad for me. I went home and I felt bad, you know. Yeah. And I, I, I don't know how you felt, but, but um, I'd, I'd, like to, I'd like to improve that. And especially to say, I really want to work with you effectively, and I just think we're not on the same track or something like that, where you're, you're indicating to them, I'm not confronting you from the standpoint we're on the opposite side. I want to find out where we're on the same side. Well, and I think you'll find that you both came to the profession for the same reasons, right? right. You wanted to provide mm-hmm. good patient care and, um, and enjoy people that you work with. And you'll find that you have a lot in common. And, and yeah. whether that person had the same problem yesterday that you did, maybe yeah. they did. And even if they didn't, they probably don't want you to feel D- bad. David, I have to interrupt. Uh, unfortunately, we are down to the last minute to two minutes of our program. If there's one thing you want nurses to get, what is it? What, what is the number one thing you want them to understand? That communication is central to providing good quality patient care. That if, um, if you're not sure, ask. There are people around you all the time. Um, work together. And the more you talk and the more you respect each other, the, the better your career is going to be and the better patient care they're going to receive. I agree. And I, I like to add to that, too, is I just feel like when we can hold a positive assumption, you know, it's like something happens or they do or say something and immediately we have an assumption about why they're saying that or what their their intention is. And instead of going to the negative, if we can look at what is the positive uh, to this, what might be an upside of why they're saying or doing what they are, um, oftentimes that can help us not get to that um, explosion kind of feeling how dare they and this is not right and whatever (laughs) but we are really at the end and I want to really thank you David this has been an interesting conversation and I appreciate so much your willingness to come and tell us about Better Angels Leanne thank you very much I really enjoyed the hour good thank you and we will um, be back uh, next Monday join us again thank you Thank you for listening to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, exploring the world of nursing with your host, Leanne Meyer. Be sure to join us again next Monday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time and 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Have a productive and insightful week.